Hello and welcome to We're Listening, the podcast all about Fraser. I'm Will. And I'm Steve. And this week, whilst Key's away visiting his transvestite uncle in San Francisco, I am joined, of course, by the voice you just heard, Steve, to discuss Season 4, Episode 21, Daphne Hates Sherry, in which Daphne and Nas come as close to a romantic liaison as they've ever been when Sherry begins to grate on the Crane household. My question... (laughs) For you this week, Steve, is do you like champagne? Well, I'm glad it's not have I got a transvestite uncle. <laughs> <laughs> Made two two co-hosts of We're Listening to have the answer there uncles. is no. <laughs> Sorry, what, what was the actual question? Do you like champagne? Also, I just want to say you forgot to do your little uh, pun introduction that you've normally you know done. Is there nothing in this episode you could have used? It was nothing. I literally mm. sat there and went, I can't, I can't fit anything in, so I'm afraid I've had to skip that for this episode. You are the presenter that oscillates there we go uh, yeah exactly it does <laughs> oscillate it does oscillate. Um, but do you like champagne Steve? champagne yes i have to say i do um really yeah it's it's fancy isn't it it's a nice drink i, I, I do drink a lot of prosecco actually which is obviously mm. the cheap layman's alternative but, but it, it's yeah, still champagne. pretty bougie isn't it even though it's cheaper than champagne it's still you know it's a luxury drink you don't just get it out anytime well yeah you just have to make sure you don't drink uh champagne after sherry because it makes tummy go wary doesn't tummy it go so- wary. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had champagne. I think I've probably had I've had prosecco many times, but as you know, proper you know moe or or whatever you know your your, your classic champagnes. I don't think I've ever had. A I've glass. had several bottles of Lanson, which is quite nice. I don't know if that's mm. I presume that's worldwide. Um, it's reasonably priced as well. I think it's about thirty five, forty pounds a bottle, which for champagne that is pretty actually, good. Yeah, it, it's a nice bottle for a, a, an affordable price. Yeah. Um, yeah. We did actually once buy a bottle of Dom Perignon, but not to consume. We gave it to a friend. Wow. Um, how much, how much may I ask, was that? £149. My God, man. I need, uh, to, I need to become closer friends of you and Al. <laughs> so the story behind that is I don't just gift friends that mm. often uh, bottles of uh, Dom Perignon, which is obviously Frasier's champagne of choice. You can tell by the label in the show. But um, no, we we bought a dog. Um, this was c- quite a long time ago, and when he came to live with us, he had a lot of separation anxiety. He didn't get on with being on his own, and we phoned back the lady that we're actually really really good friends with that um, mm-hmm. sold us the dog. And I said, look, you know, he's he's not settling. He screams overnight. He's fine when we're with him, but if we leave him for even like five minutes, he's just unbearable. She said, look, it's separation anxiety what do you want to do? And we were, we don't want to give him up. You know, we, we want to get through this. How can we fix it? And she said, well, it's a pug. Have you got space for another one? Uh, at this time, we didn't have many dogs, which obviously now currently I've got six. Um, Jesus. What, in the house right now? No, no. Oh, um, I was just a Jesus. The terriers, the terriers are mostly kenneled um, oh, okay. because they couldn't live together. The pugs live around all over the place. They're outside, inside. God knows where they are at the moment. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I said, we have got space for another one. This is like I say, this is when we only had one dog. And she said, well, if you've got space for another one, I've actually got that dog's granddad. And no way. So we went down and we met him and the dogs, those two dogs got on really well straight away. He just followed him around, followed his granddad around all the time. And we were like, okay, so what do we do? And she said, we'll take him home, see how you get on. Took him home. He got on fine. Literally having another heartbeat in the house. Fixed just eased all of his anxieties. So to say thanks, because she basically gave us a dog <laughs> hmm. to sort the problem out, we thought, well, she likes champagne, so a bottle of Dom Perignon was uh, 
was the a answer. Pretty nice gift. Well, when someone gives it, you a pug. yeah, <laughs> no, someone gives you a pug that stops the screaming and the crying and yeah. lets you sleep at night. Okay. You know. So I have been a bit long-winded in the answer to that, but in short. My answer is yes. I do drink champagne. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean that, that's exactly why I asked those questions. I love, I love that story. That's exactly what I was hoping uh, you'd you'd wheel out. So love that. Um, before we get into the review, shall we? Took ourselves into the proverbial trivia corner. Yes, let's go over to the corner. Let's let's tuck ourselves in. So I've got some questions from my usual at trivia masters, MK Hamish, all the usual bunch from the group. So. Steve, I'm going to start with Cam Winston for you, Hamish. Question one. All of the title cards for this episode are referencing one playwright. Name that playwright. Bonus if you can name all of the title cards. I'm really sorry, Hammy. It's Tennessee Williams. Yes, it is. Was this a question you had for me? No, but it's Tennessee anyone. Tennessee anyone. Yeah. Cat fight on a hot tin roof. Mm-hmm. Suddenly this summer. Oh my god. The night of the Iwana and the Bath Menagerie. Wow. Unbelievable. Unbelievable recall there from Steve's. Well played. So great first question there. Question two. What two things does Sherry say Daphne is, and what one thing does she say she needs? She needs oomph in her walk away, I believe. A little fat on her, is it? Yeah, I don't I don't. I haven't got that written down here, but he does. She does say that's what one of the things she needs. Um, but keeps she saying some other things. So she, she says, says she needs sex as well, doesn't she? <laughs> she? That's that's the one I've got here for need. And then two things that she is, you know, maybe traits, characteristics. What the Daphne is? Yes. What are you going to say for this, Dave? How can I get Tennessee Williams right and get stumped on this? <laughs> <laughs> um. What is she? Well, she says she's thin, doesn't she? That's definitely one. Does say that, but you haven't got that as an answer. But I mean, I mean, I, I can accept that. But there are there are two other characteristics. Um, I'm going to have to pass on what he's. Looking I think for. these are both related to her kind of relationship um, dynamic. So she's too rigid and too picky. Ah, um, yeah. So there we go. But you know, you, you were you were certainly you know barking up the correct tray there. Um, who directed this episode? Kelsey Grammer. Yes, he did. I wouldn't have got that. I never ever paid attention to this, but it makes sense because he, you know, plot plots himself out. I will also pick out one really interesting thing. Do you know? I think that this is the only time that someone's ever directed from a bathtub. I think it might be. I think it might be. That might that be, a, be a question. To be some honest. kind of Guinness World Record. Um, but absolutely. I mean, you've done you've done some cracking work there, Steve. Do you want to lay your questions on me for this week? They're not as complicated as that. You'll be pleased to know. Oh, I'm pleased uh, to hear that. Question number one: What mm-hmm. dish does Sherry offer Fraser for breakfast? She obviously Ooh. serves it to Martin, but. Um, is it scrambled egg tacos and spam patties? It is correct. Oh, there we go. There we go. This one will get you, though. Two. At the studio, Fraser says he cannot deal with helping people today. Ross says it won't help whom, and to what line is uh, is he calling on? Do you know what's devastating? Is I've made a note of this on my episode (laughs) notes, so I knew this was going to be a question. Because I, it's it's the, his wife keeps putting a pumpkin in a bassinet. Well, that was um, going to be a bonus point if you could get that. So, wife keeping a pumpkin in a bassinet is, is right. it is it Todd? No, 
It's not Todd. It's a one-syllable name. I think it begins with an M. It does. It's Mark. It is Mark. It and is I'm Mark. Lying. <laughs> I'm going to say, for some reason, I think it's high, but I'm going to go against my gut instinct and say line three. It is lo- Mark, line three, wife keeping yes. a bassinet. Oh, man, I'm proud of myself there. Listeners will be like, what the hell's going on? Will shouldn't get any right. For three out of three, Will. Here we go. What colour is Fraser's bath mat? His mat. <laughs> Oh, that's a fantastic question because I thought you were going to say his mask, and I was like, "Oh, perfect." Well, he looks very American Psycho in that it, mask, doesn't he? That's exactly what my bullet point says. Um, <laughs> what colour is his bath mat? I want to say blue or green. Don't. <laughs> oh, damn it! I, I can't. I can't say anything else now because that's too big of a clue. But I was going to say green. It's black. Oh, damn it, man. And it black goes with everything. That's probably why it's there, for God's sake, man. But so close. So I'll take close. two out of three. Um, and that's an excellent question to, to fall on my sword on there. I really like that. Um, okay, so MK and his little, uh, his little cadre. Daphne talks to two people on the phone during the course of this episode, one of which we see on screen, the other of which is referenced via dialogue. Who does she talk to? Who does she talk to? Is one of them a guy on the phone? Two, two, she talks to two people on the phone during the course of this episode. On the phone. One of which yeah. we see happen on screen. The other yeah. of which is referred to via dialogue. So like a telephone right, call yeah, is referred Yeah. Confusing. So yeah. is, is the name of one of them Jack? Jack, so he's number one. The blind date set up from Sherry. We see that on screen. Who is the second one? And if it helps, we don't have a name. It's a profession. This is does he have tough. A boat? Does he have a boat? <laughs> Kenny's got a boat. I mean, does this guy have a boat? <laughs> this is tough, man. This is tough. No, I can't answer. It is the garbage disposal repair man because one of Sherry's bloody big biscuits broke the blade. <laughs> so uh, fantastic there from uh, from MK. Um, question two, Steve. What nickname does Sherry call Frasier at the very start of the episode? Oh, my. Can we go back to the Tennessee Williams question? <laughs> Somebody get that Monte Cristo in here. Not <laughs> so well. 86 spring rolls. Um. <laughs> um, okay, I'll give you another clue. It is a nickname that has quite a prominent feature in another episode like there's in one other episode there's a storyline that involves this nickname that's that's as big as a clue as i can give you i'm out i'm tapping out sunshine oh sunshine hello sunshine um but yes so um sherry calls fraser that mk puts perhaps an odious little nickname to provide slip-ups between crane men i lovely i love love he's referencing that uh that episode love that um okay we've got a two-part Two-part answer here. What two reasons does Fraser cite for not wanting to go to the singles party that Roz invites him to? Oh, <laughs> God, these are these are good. I'd have I'd have fallen at the first hurdle here. When did you watch the episode today? About was... Half an hour ago. <laughs> I watched it a week ago. <laughs> oh man, that's normally me. That's normally me. Mm. Well, while Steve. Pontificates. I'm just drinking a lovely glass of uh, Cab Sav. Is it a blend? <laughs> Is it a blend? 
of 50% Merlot. <laughs> it's uh, it's going have. very smooth. <laughs> um, I, I would definitely say it's plummy, chewy, and um, delightfully seductive. You'll buy me some time, but I'm coming up with blank still. You're going to have to tap out, Steve. Yeah. yeah so the first me. one is trying not to get sick. Because I did of course, think it might have been the sickness because he goes on about being ill a lot. But... He can't even finish the Visigoth metaphor. Um, exactly. And B, he doesn't want to be accosted by alcohol-lubricated husband hunters. Um, <laughs> to quote, to quote, I don't even remember that line, but I mean, that's fantastic. Um, okay, here we go. Final two from uh, some of the other trivia masters here. So Gunnar, while Fraser is taking a bath, how many candles are lit in the room? Oh, I love this. I love a visual one. Why can't someone ask me the colour of Bulldog's T-shirt? That's blue and green. <laughs> yes, it is. Mm, um, how many candles? You just have to take an educated guess. It's going to be a random guess. I reckon there's an odd number in maybe two corners. I'm going with 11. Well, you know, a million miles away, Steve. I was looking for eight. Eight was what I was looking for. An even number, but um, yeah, I can't I can't even remember any candles being lit in that scene, so shows my... Uh, I think he's got to be on his head, hasn't he? Left and right corners of the bath, and he's got his mask on, I think. I think so. Um, but, I mean, thank you, Gunnar, for a truly excellent question there. Um, finally, this week from Niall Crane. The sweater wrapped around Daphne's waist, Fraser's bath mask, Sherry's undershirt in the final scene, and the napkins under the champagne flutes in Niles' apartment all have what in common? Don't overthink this, Steve. They all appear in the show. <laughs> <laughs> that is um, true. You've got this. Is it, is it color? They are all. I want to say light, light blue. Is it? They are blue. Um, yeah. Or brackets? Or is it? They are almost so white. They're blue. <laughs> They're almost. <blue. laughs> um, which was that is Niall Crane's little joke there. That's not me riffing. Um, that's all his. Um, but well played, Steve. There and well played everyone who sent in some questions this week. Some really good ones there for an episode. Absolutely grilled by that set. That was <laughs> That's what toughest. a good trivia corner should make you feel like. You should come out feeling less of a man. But no, we were saying before we went on air that this is an episode where our notes are relatively minimal because there's a lot of great quotes in this in this episode, but not necessarily that much to talk about. And I think the guys have uh, have done a cracking job there in, in teasing out some questions. Great um, question. Animation watch this week, Steve. What is the animation, please? Well, it's a white line, so I'm presuming it's a shooting star. It's yes, not, it is. It's not really star-shaped, is it? It's just a white but, line. I mean, shooting stars, isn't it a bit of a, just a little bit of flash of light across the sky? Is that the vibe? I don't well, it know. Goes through, um, what's, what is the uh, the line that Fraser uses? When I was young, I was taught to reach, I was always told to reach for the stars. Of course, they're balls of flaming gas. <laughs> I would be vaporised instantly. But... <laughs> every time he says that so uh, i love yeah, that shooting star <laughs> shooting star like this one very minimalist keeps in vibing with the title card itself it's, it's a I think I actually, other than the lift going up i quite like the fact they keep them white do you know what i mean it's a it's a white on black background it's why the balloons suck so much yeah, because they look pixelated and they're rubbish and clip arty style anyway. Yeah, but yeah, which yeah. is probably where they were made. But I oh, the yeah. colours just look odd. Whereas a, a yellow light coming on in um 
the Space Needle or a lift going up or the little plane that goes across with the flag on the back and stuff like that. It's all white and it just looks really smart and it keeps with the yeah. title cards. The colours, just keep them out of there. Just get rid of them. The monorail is white. Did you just say that? I can't yeah. remember. Um, yeah, I, like the, I like the red light a little bit atop the Space Needle, but that's only because, like, I guess in real life, there probably is a red light atop the Space Needle. So yeah, I imagine so. And, it's, it's and, all, and again, it's just one simple thing. But I think the three colours in the balloons just... Nah. I'm trying to think, other than the balloons the fireworks and the light atop the space needle and the rainbow which others have colors in them um the jack-o-lantern that's one yeah little orange we, we could we could be here all night but i'm sure people will let us know i mean i could talk about the the opening title cards for for hours um did you know that caffeine weakens the immune system as fraser tells us in the opening minutes of this episode i did not know this it, well, as a doctor, Will, surely you should know that. <laughs> I prescribe poetry to people, Steve, not medicine. <laughs> well, you've never um, read a poem with that in? <laughs> but yeah, I had no idea this was a thing. I mean, I am currently, I mean, Frasier, obviously, is ill in this episode. As Steve can see from the tissue I'm currently holding up, I have probably blown my way through an entire loo roll in the last few days. Um, I've got a, a really stinking cold, so I empathise massively here. But I didn't know this about caffeine. No, I couldn't say I did. I mean, I suppose... Is it a bit like alcohol as well? You know, people say, oh, well, if you're ill, you won't want to drink of anything because it'll only make it worse. You think, does it really? Does it? Yeah. You know, is it? You're going to rob me of the only pleasure I get in the week? Yeah. <laughs> people say, well, I've got a sore throat. Have a quick bit of whiskey. Well, you just told me I can't drink. Yeah, but it will make it feel better. <laughs> okay, so it is good, but it's not. <laughs> yeah, it is good, but it's not. I think that's uh, a lot of kind of home remedies. That's the pretty much the rule of thumb they live by. Um, Daphne and Sherry come together in the kitchen now. They kind of have a bit of a clash. They have words. Um, I mean, Daphne would... Um, Sherry would get on my nerves if I was Daphne in this episode, and that becomes more apparent later. But I, she's not entirely without her reasons in this scene. Like, surely Martin is allowed a bit of fried food every now and then. Like, he has high bran or whatever cereal every day. Um, to be do you honest... I think he should be allowed a bit of fried food? Now I, now I know what you're like. I mean, are you still on the uh, poached eggs on toast every morning, are you? Or? I have two poached eggs every day of my life. So you are a bit like Fraser. Although Fraser's just to go on to his breakfast, dry toast. And tea. Just dry I toast. Mean, why do you want dry toast? if you like? Because I think the way she asks that is because, like, is that a bit of a thing he has when he's ill because she can sense he's ill? I don't know what you would have that for if you were ill. He seems happy with that. And I think, I mean, the way that when I've spoken to John, uh, John Beale, obviously, um, who gets many mentions on this podcast now when I'm on it. Um, oh, he does. He's obviously American. And he, I think he's the same, that he wouldn't have tea with milk in it. That's a very British thing. Americans... Tea is just a bag. As Fraser would say, Daphne just chuck a bag in some hot water. And <laughs> so they have so, black tea. Yeah, so tea with no milk and dry toast sounds like the absolute dullest breakfast Fraser could possibly It sounds use. like something you'd get fed in prison, like, you know. I think prison's better. <laughs> prison, probably. Prison, they'd have milk in their tea and they'd probably have butter on the toast. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, a weird one. Listeners, if you enjoy butterless toast, I mean, well, anythingless toast because you know not even marmite peanut butter whatever there's nothing on this bread yeah, dry toast i mean the thought of that makes me kind of parched just thinking about it but i'd love to i'd love to hear um martin comes in now he's got many little quips about the weather 
I mean, we're British. The, the, as the stereotype goes, we love to talk about the weather, but even I would be getting annoyed at this point. Um, sure, and it, is, it is almost the highlight of Martin walking in there. He goes, hi, 90s. It's going to get really hot. It's a brownout. And he goes, yeah. Cool. There's been a murder. I wonder what caused that. Maybe someone who wouldn't shut up about the weather. Shut up about the weather. I mean, I was going to ask you, what is a brownout? Is a brownout a drought, basically? I wasn't sure if it was that or the fact that everyone was going to get suntan. Oh, a brownout. Maybe I'm being really naive. I think both could easily be, because he says, it looks like another brownout. I worry about the crops. So I was thinking of like parched fields that are brown because there's, there's a drought. Um, and that obviously hurts crops, but then also a brown out, just general heat will also hurt them. So I think listeners tell us which one is it because I would imagine your answer is probably more correct but than mine. I didn't it... even think about yours, and now I think you could be right. So you know, listeners will have to let us know. I'll tell you one thing: my Google safe search is not on, and I'm not typing in brown out to find out what. <laughs> who who knows what will, what will pop up there? What um, lurks on Google? <laughs> you never know what's lurking in the shadows of Google. Um, <laughs> Martin and Sherry now being less than subtle about the night of her passion they've enjoyed together. Fraser says, spare me the single entendre, which I love. Um, I've not, kind of never heard that term. It's obviously, it's always double entendre, which I just think is great. Um, yeah, he's definitely clever because she's, I mean, she's very, very obvious in what she says. I mean, it's he, enough to put you off your breakfast. That before and he goes, and afterwards. And he's after. like, oh, too early. It's my dad sitting at the, the breakfast Honestly. table. It's enough to put you off your butterless toast, isn't it? It's uh, it's pretty, it's pretty intense. Um, now one of uh, Sherry's biscuits is is offered here. Can you remember what Frasier says? Um, that that biscuit would be capable of doing. I think if you um hit the target correctly, it could take down is it an elk? <laughs> yes, with a good aim, it could bring down an elk. Um, which got a real big laugh from me. I mean, I just this is something I was going to talk about. Biscuits. It's so strange that they call them biscuits in America. Like, because obviously, what we consider a biscuit is completely different to a biscuit in North America. Yeah, obviously, um, we do have cookies here, but we would call biscuit. You know, well. I can't describe this any other way to any listener. Obviously, we have general biscuits. We have cookies that are obviously the Americanized version of our biscuit. A chocolate chip cookie, yeah. I think for them, I mean, I know that um, Robin Milliken's one of our moderators on Fraser Fan Club. She's from the South. And um, I think you'll find biscuits and gravy is one of the things that they would have. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's a That's a traditional sort of thing for them. So, yeah, biscuits, it's not what we think is a biscuit. Doesn't <laughs> mean it here, yeah. I don't think you'll find their gravy is the same as our gravy either. <laughs> a very different <laughs> no. meal we're talking about if we had biscuits and gravy in England. God, I'd be scared to try it over there just in case, you know, I'd be like, what am I expecting here? I mean, for, for listeners who aren't British, biscuits for us is practically any kind of sugary baked snack that you could dunk in a cup of tea. Um, if it could be dunked in a cup a of spotty will <laughs> <laughs> Madeline territory. Um, if you can dunk it in tea, it's pretty much a biscuit. I mean, you can dunk a lot of things in tea that that doesn't apply to, but you know, meet me halfway here. Um, so you know when when Sherry kind of intimates, Frasier, you're single. Daphne, you're single. I am so glad the show never ever went anywhere near some kind of contrived BS plotline where the two of them kind of developed a slight crush on one another. They don't even touch that, and I love it. Not the only time it's mentioned, is it? Because there's another time that everyone else goes out and Daphne sits there with Frasier, and I can't remember the actual scene. I can't even remember the episode. That's really bad. I should not be on a podcast and not be able to remember this. But 
he says, well, there's only one thing for us to do, isn't there? And she says, yeah, I'll go and get the laundry. And it's like, it's hinted at that he's going, well, it's going to be me and you then. And she goes, no, miles away, not thinking the same thing. She goes and gets the laundry and off they go. And, and he's, really, Frage, is that what you're thinking? Does yeah. he find Daphne attractive? This is the thing, because like I expect that from Frasier because he's like a hornball. Um, whereas in this episode, Daphne, like it's there's something quite endearing and a bit, I don't know, like just good for her character development that she's the one that kind of owns it in this episode because like, mm. yeah, in, in that scene, Frasier making that quip, it's just like Frasier, man, you're horny for everyone. Like, of course, you know, he's trying to get on with everyone, but I'm glad they never really, other than that line, kind of tried anything on plot wise. Yeah. Um just wouldn't have worked for me. No, I don't I don't, they're not a match in any kind of way. Not that I really mm. thought that, spoiler alert, Daphne and Niles would be. But um, obviously... Or Frasier and Roz in some ways. And again, uh, people have their issues with that plot line. Part yeah. of me sees it. They're very close. Um, they're practically best friends, but it's a tough one. You know, and At I will obviously... Time, there's situations not to admit too much on a on a podcast and broadcast it, but there's times in the past that I've been friends with the opposite sex. Obviously, when I was single, I've been in a relationship for eleven years now. Um, that that has happened. Do you know what I mean? Mm. You've become so close that that's just happened either a drunk night or you've just gone down that path and then gone, well, that's ruined the friendship. We shouldn't have done that. <laughs> and you either repair it the next day or you just forget about it. It was that one night and you you carry on, but. Mm. And that's maybe the way Fraser and Roz, as I said a minute ago, spoiler alert, because that's coming up in a long way away. Um, that develops, but and they're quite adult about it. You know, she's not to start with, is she? And and he sort of just he's quite blasé about it, and then he panics and God knows what else. But mm. you've got a couple of years before we really have to discuss that one. <laughs> oh, we have indeed, probably probably literally two years, yeah. Um, but it's an interesting one, and it's you know something that will provoke debate, I'm sure, down the line. Um, we're at KACL now. Roz is, is battering Bulldog um, because... Do we ever find out what he's done? No, but I do absolutely love his line where he says, um, if I wasn't enjoying this and you, you were the right you were the right sex, I'd be pounding you right I'd now. I'd be pounding you right now. And then like he smacks her ass as he runs out and then he comes back in. He's like, Roz, we're colleagues from this moment on, but we're no longer friends. Do you want to come to a party tonight? I'm there. And then yeah. just leaves. Um, I mean, she hits him in the back. She's biting either his ear or his neck at one point. Quite an intimate little conflict here. You know, you've got to wonder what's going on between these two. That probably makes a lot more sense than her and Frage getting on two years' time. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. um, But it's it's one of those. Um, Where where am I? Oh, yeah, so Frage's kind of analogy for his, his illness now. You can't even finish a simple Visigoth metaphor. Um, I kind of love this. The kind of the way they're hurling themselves over the ramparts of his immune system, etc. Um, and then we learn of Mark's wife on line three, who is keeping a pumpkin in a bassinet. Um, <laughs> deeply, deeply disturbing call, and you know, probably the product of something very serious. Um, and you know, but it's played for laughs here. But I mean, like when you actually start thinking about who would possibly be provoked to do that. Things get pretty, pretty dark and pretty sad pretty quickly. So I don't have to reflect too much on Mark's life, well, or his wife's life, really. Or his wife's life. What is she going through? Mm. What has she been through? Exactly. So it's, uh, it's, it's a funny joke, but best not to, uh, to dwell on it too much. Um, the title card that pops up after after this scene is is cat fight on a hot tin roof, which is 
probably my favorite of the puns, but that's only because I'm not particularly well-versed in Tennessee Williams's Irv, and I don't know most of his plays. Um, so I was like, oh, I get this one. Um, you know, I know Fiddler on the Roof, uh, which I... No, Fiddler on the Roof, is that Tennessee Williams? No, oh, it's... it's... Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, this one, Cat isn't on... it? No, that one, and then I was thinking of Streetcar Named Desire. Um, yeah. But not Fiddler on the Roof. That's completely Well, different. I presume the first title card was Tennessee Anyone is Tennis Anyone. I don't think it's actually a reference to one of his plays, is it? Or is it? I, th- I thought it was, a, I thought it was just a joke about just, him. And I think I think it's just a... Just a yeah, because, I mean, what what's it punning? I, um, thought it was, I thought it was literally Tennis Anyone, as in sort of a back and forth. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is more clever than... Or maybe I'll just this, is, this is the beauty of the show. Like so many times on this podcast, we've realised a line is much, much smarter than we are. Or sometimes that we've overthought a line to death, um, and, it, and it's not. But yeah, I think that's it's a valid one. Um, so yeah, so we're back in in 1901, and this is where like Sherry has kind of tried to set Daphne up. She's had the phone call with Jack. I would get so annoyed if I was Daphne here. Like I said that earlier. I think that's a step too far for Sherry. I think she's meddling. Yeah. Um, is that how you feel? Yeah, I mean, Sherry's very good at sticking her nose in, as we found out in the last episode last week, when you've got her obviously poking her nose into all the women that came to see Fraser on those dates. Oh, yeah. You've then got, let me fiddle with Daphne's love life this week. Let me get mm. involved in that. I know all these blokes. Let me set you up. The one thing that does bug me is the fact that Daphne says, you've been giving out my number. Well, actually, it's Fraser's home number. It's not your number at all, Daphne. I did, I did flag he that. He does live there. So, and obviously, they've said, call Daphne on this number. Just so happens that Daphne was the one who picked up the phone. Mm. It's what she does. But... It's, what she, it's what she does. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I can only presume some of this episode is set up because Kelsey was directing it that Kelsey's actually taken a step back because he's not actually involved in the show as much yeah he as conveniently you know he's ill he needs his bath he kind of gets out of the out of the way Very much disappears in quite a lot of the scenes mm. um obviously a lot of it we'll, we'll get to later on is Daphne at the Montana with Niles Mm. The Daphne and Sherry arguments, Martin and Sherry, and bits like that. Fraser's got a very big back seat, and I can only, like I say, I can only presume that's because he was directing, not always from the bathtub. But um, yeah, Fraser's, like I say, back seated, isn't he? He's not in it. Yeah, I mean, something that interests me here is how does Sherry have men that are Daphne's age, like so easily accessible to kind of, they're single. Oh, let me give you the, the date, you know, the number it's of this. Very, doesn't Sherry work at the bar? Yeah, does she? Yeah, that's it. She mentions later, doesn't she? One of them's from the bar. Um, yes, yeah, so I presume she has barflies on tap that literally are just standing there, and they're all. I mean, how old do we say Daphne is? Twenty six, maybe twenty seven. God, that's mad to think she's my age at this point because she seems so much older than me. Um, well, but <laughs> tell you one thing that's shocking: you say about age, and you think about what how actors or actresses should be of a certain age. I've been watching Safe by the Bell again recently, which a lot of people probably know I'm quite a big fan of. And um, Dennis Haskins, who plays uh, Mr. Belding, the I don't know, have you, have you seen the show? Have you seen Safe by the Bell? No, no, vaguely familiar with the, the big players. Right, so Dennis Haskins plays the head teacher, Mr. Belding, and in the show, he's 38. I think in real life, he's actually 38 at that point. And I kid you not, even now looking at him, I swear he looks way more adult than I do, and I'm his age now. <laughs> really? And it terrifies me to think, should I not look a lot older? Should I be a lot broader by now? When am I going yeah. to fill out to this this 
you know, this guy's size, he doesn't look like what I imagine. If I look around at anyone my age now, he looks so much older. Hmm. It's, it's very odd. Like you say, looking at you and then looking at that. Daphne's a very strange 26, 27-year-old in, in oh, Frozen. Oh, she is. What she, she does is. and what she has done. It's just, it's just, yeah, I think it's humbling sometimes to see people that are supposedly your age and think, God, why do I still feel like I'm 16, you know, well, physically and mentally? Saying that, I'm actually now Niles' age, aren't I? 37, 38 is, I think, well, no, Niles must be coming up to 40 now in season four. I think he's about 36, 37 in the opening. Because Frasier that's turned nuts 40, as well, honestly. Yeah. So I'm nearly Fraser's age. I can't believe <laughs> we're going to have to inhabit a world at some point without these these beautiful people, but I don't want to think about that. It's too morbid for a, a Friday night recording. Yeah. Um, Kenny has a boat, we learn at this point. Um, you know, Kenny's he's doing pretty well for himself, unless it's one of those small boats that you row out yourself and you fish from on a lake. Um, yeah, it could be a dinghy. Yeah, it could I be mean, a kayak. <laughs> it, could be, it could be a kayak. It could just be a little rowboat. So let's not jump ahead on, on the Kenny train. Um, Daphne, you know, that's your answer to everything. Sex, you're like a rabbit. People should rub your foot for luck. Um, <laughs> really, like, fantastically cutting um, kind of barb there. Um, kind of really, and, you know, Martin kind of freaks out a little bit. Um, and that's where we get the uh, the bloody big biscuits broke the blade line. That's a lot of B words for someone. You know, here's another one you forgot. Whoa! whoa. Um, I, I, I must admit, she delivers that line very well. I mean, you've said it a couple of times, but bloody big biscuits blo broke the blade. I can't do it. Do you know oh, what I mean? It's, it's that, a dung twister. Um, throws that line out so well. I wonder how many times there's a blooper of that, her trying to get that out. Oh, I, I just think Sherry's line about, you know, here's a, a B word you forgot. It's kind of the perfect meme format because yeah. you could just pick a really obscure, like, <laughs> bit word beginning with B from the show. You know, like, I'm trying to think, um, I can't even think, you know, some opera or some wine or whatever, and then just put that there. And then, it's like, gonna, you know, it's a, gonna be a reaction. There's going to be a pretentious yeah. term starting with B somewhere. What comes yeah, to mind? What? There's yeah, three. what? And then there's a picture of like Fraser and I was just looking shocked. It seems like a good format, but uh, but there you go. I am not the uh, the meme master in this in this call right now. That is, of course, you to do. I cede my uh, my hat to you. Um, I kind of love how Fraser just takes no shit in this episode. He comes in from KCL and he's like, "Is Seattle?" You know, having a Prozac shortage, he just has a go at everyone. Like he's just not taking any crap. That is a really iconic line, isn't it? I mean, I've so seen it online everywhere. If you want to upset someone or you've seen someone, I mean, you, you know what it's like in Fraser Fan Club. We have a couple of disagreements and that's it. You'll find the admins, myself, moderators, etc. will throw someone instantly when we make a post saying, please be polite to people. Please be yep. courteous. Someone always has to come back with, is Seattle experiencing a pros actual <laughs> They need an etiquette lesson and blackball. <laughs> you know blackball. I mean? Frazier knows how to end a conversation oh, or does. really, really shout someone down. Get out! Coming Get to out. mind as well. And my hand towel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, the Prozac shortage line is just, it's iconic. And there's actually quite a few. I mean, we'll come up to a couple of them later with, with the images and, of Niles, etc. There's some very iconic moments in this this episode that are probably very underrated for for what this episode is. Do you know what I mean? It's, oh, it's I completely agree. Line, but yeah, yeah. There's, there's some great stuff. And like you say, they, yeah, <laughs> got off now. I know. I, I think this episode's really underrated. And I was kind of thinking that as I was, as I was finishing it and making notes and, um, you know, I'm not going to get into whether it is or isn't top 10, of course, just yet, but 
definitely, definitely underrated. Um, yeah. And as as far as this season goes, which is a pretty big hitter, um, I think maybe one of the ones that maybe gets a little overlooked, but it's pretty solid. It, Plot-wise, it's really solid. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, you're, there's you're a lot of drama here. Your end of season recap, I reckon you... I don't know. Obviously, we haven't discussed who's going to do that. Me, you, key, all three, whatever. Um, but... It's going to be mid-table. I get the feeling because I think it's it's not at least I think. But I think mm. you're looking you're looking sort of eleventh, twelfth. I think. Yeah, I think it's going to be up there. Um, I mean, we're getting close to that live episode now, and it's been a long time since we did the last one. So I'm mm. so excited to to finally get that over the line and get everyone involved. But if you're listening and you're if you're excited about that, there will be more info, of course, uh, nearer the time. But uh, we want everyone as as many people as possible to come to that. Um, Daphne kind of storming out. You know, some some real drama. Um, I kind of you know just just really as I said a minute ago, this episode has a lot of kind of dramatic moments in it. I think her storming out and the kind of fade to black and her showing up at the Montana. Um, it, it's it's pretty high drama for a show that's been a pretty low stake. She's kind of a big rupture in the in the home life of 1901. I find it strange how she. I mean, she grabs a bag. She's not exactly wearing going out clothes. It's more like almost after gym clothes, isn't it? It's sort of. Like oh yeah, she's kind, she's kind of little of things. Yeah. She grabs a bag and runs out the door and slams the door. And I kind of think, why didn't she just go into her bedroom and shut the door? Oh, obviously, <laughs> no episode. It'd have been a five-minute long mm. one. I guess she just wants to be out of the house, maybe. The reason script. Yeah, but I mean, how long is Sherry going to stay there? She was there from that morning, wasn't she? I mean, what time of day is this? What time of day? I mean, day? do we think it's a Saturday morning? No, it can't be because Fraser's at work. So Fraser's been to work. He comes home, so maybe it's five in the afternoon. They've had breakfast. Sherry and Martin are just loitering around the house all day. It could be a what Friday evening. I don't know. Maybe that's. Yeah. But it's uh, yeah, it's it's a funny one. Clearly, she just doesn't want to be in the house. But it's interesting that she. I mean, she does try her girlfriends who aren't in. But, um, you know, eventually she ends up at Nars. It's not like she goes there straight away, which I think is probably a, a useful bit of exposition that she says. Otherwise, we'll be like, why has she just gone straight to Nars's? Yeah, um, and obviously Sherry doesn't work that much at the bar because she's there in the morning, she's there at night, and she's there all day. So what, not the what, best barmaid in the world. What time <laughs> does Sherry actually work? <laughs> if you order a Guinness from Sherry, it might come a couple of days later, but, uh, you know, it'll still be delicious. Um, Randy getting here, Sherry St. Bernard. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of, like, the best looks in the show now, which is Niles in his linens, reading his book, with his wine, the bird babies on his shoulder, kind of picking at his hair. This Baby is just like back. this is just like top ten best looks. I mean, this is the life. Um, and I look at this and I think, I want this. I want that life. I just think he looks fantastic here. Now, this is what I meant by iconic. Do you see mm. what I mean? You've got those lines, the Prozac shortage line. Then you've got Niles. How many times have you seen that image on a T-shirt? Oh my god. I want to see people. What is it? I want to see people throwing it, sitting on it, sitting on it, wearing it. I want to see your face everywhere, sitting on it, wearing it, throwing it, tossing it. Um, that picture is just iconic. I've I've seen it with the face sort of blurred out. You know what I mean? It's sort of very simplified, and you can just see it's a silhouette of Niles with the bird, with the wine or the sherry or whatever he's drinking. The book. And it's just like you say, that is the life that Niles has. I'm single, I'm in the Montana, it's really hot. I'm rich as fuck. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to yeah. wear white because that'll cool me down, won't it? Yeah. <laughs> if you were in your own house and it was 90 degrees, would you sit on a leather couch in white or would you just go and lay in the bath? Or he's got a balcony. Would you not just 
bring some air in somewhere or just yeah. lay on the bed. Maybe it's... there's just clearly no wind, but I mean, I'd be out on the balcony, man, letting the, letting nature do its work. And let me tell you, there'd be no linens on me. If it's a privacy of my own balcony, you got to cool down. you got to cool down. You know what I'm saying? Sure I'd wear a white bird or white uh, after Labor Day. After Labor Day. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, Niles obviously faints at, at Daphne's kind of arrival and her proposal to stay the night here. Um, and then when he comes to, there's some kind of really funny moments here, like, you know, just to play devil's advocate because I can't believe this. You're taking her side. Um, but like, there's some really, some really good lines from Daphne here as well. Like, you know, I've been feeling a little like the good China. Like, well, one should be eating off you every day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is so quick, like so good, but like that is such a, a subtle, but kind of deeply kind of seductive line from Daphne there. Like this situation, like genuinely the sexual tension in this scene is, is high. And oh, it's it's done well. Do you know what? It's almost like watching porn with your parents, isn't it? Oh, because it is. You are the third person in that room, and those two are literally two percent away from ripping Canoodling. each other's clothes off. And I don't oh, understand yeah. how they both actually resist it. They're both single. What's the issue? Yeah, they're but both Niles they're both as hard it. up as you can possibly be. Yeah. I mean, Niles has been pushing to be with Daphne for a couple of years now. I know it's still going through the process with Maris and stuff. He's obviously single. We 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 spoke about this before with Four for the Seesaw. What's the issue? Why is he holding back? I don't understand. His ethics, maybe, the pro her proximity to their lives. It makes no sense, though. Well, it doesn't, doesn't stop him later on, does it? <laughs> no, it doesn't. He doesn't uh, worry about it too much. Maybe he realises it's love later on right now. Maybe it's lust. I don't know, but... I just, I think I he mean, should have gone for it here, personally. Previously in mixed doubles, he was ready for it until Rodney turned up. I'm going to mm. tell her how I feel. No, and at the end of that episode, he says, I love you. Yeah. So, you know. There. So maybe that wasn't the way you want to do it. Maybe he wants to be more of a gentleman. Maybe we're worse than he is. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Niles being a gentleman, the disc tray visual pun on his presumed arousal is uh, fantastic here. Just a slow ejection, um, very close to the word that it's putting there, um, on, uh, in, on Niles' kind of general groin area. I mean, it's, that's hilarious. Um, and then there's a few other lines about, you know, when people, I can't remember what he says now, you know, two people, and he just goes, passion fruit. And she's like, oh, I'd love some. And then the way he kind of leads to the fruit that he's prepared. Um, and he's got champagne, you know, the line, I love champagne, but it's a drink for two. And I'm, you know, I'm always alone. I really like that line. I think about that line a lot. I don't know hmm. what it is. I feel like you could just substitute champagne for anything there and really impress someone. To be fair, champagne is definitely a drink for two, going back to the champagne conversation. You would never, well, I would never, I'd never dream of buying a bottle, popping the cork and sitting there and going, I'm going to enjoy this. Yeah, it's not, not like it's not like a wine. It's for toasting, it's for celebrating, it's for an, you know, it's an anniversary or a mm. special day or, you know, something like that to possibilities. It makes sense with that, but you could quite happily get a bottle of wine, no matter how expensive it is, and enjoy that on your own or with yeah. the company. Mm. But yeah, he's he's really hit the nail on the head with champagne as a drink for two. I mean, strawberries by the looks of things look like they're for two as well, the way Daphne starts slurping them back. Jesus. Um, she's on the fruit. His, his ice melting in his hand, I find absolutely hilarious as well. Where's yours, Dr. Crane? Oh, it's um, melted. melted. I'll get another piece. <laughs> <laughs> so good. 
<laughs> like it's just his core temperature has risen that much. Um, do you want to remind listeners what Maris's kind of slight deformity is that prevents her from holding hands? Do you know what? I was going to bring this up and I actually spoke to um, a, I'd say a friend, a, a, an acquaintance, obviously in the meme, the Fraser meme world. He runs uh, the Fraser group, uh, Fraser's Fine Arts Forgery Department. Oh, James, James Ward. James Ward. And James I had Ward. to ask him because I wanted to credit the person who has made what I class as one of the funniest memes I've ever seen about Fraser. And I, I sent to James a message the other day saying, look, I might be recording the podcast. He said, I hate to say it, he doesn't listen. He said, I don't That's, read podcasts. I didn't, I didn't think he did. That's absolutely fine. And um, But I said, I wanted to get it right if it was him. And he's actually, he's been very truthful and said, it's not my meme. He said, but I know the one you mean and I absolutely love it. And it's a picture of Billy Idol. You're going to see where I'm going with this. A picture of mm. Billy Idol with Niles's face put slightly over it, just mixing it in well enough to see it's Billy, but with Niles's face. And it says, nice day for a slight webbing. <laughs> I think I've seen that. I think I've seen that. Is amazing. The best line you could pick and then find the single for White Wedding and change it just that amount. Honestly. Hands down. It kills me every time I see someone share that. And I honestly, I've, James's content is so good. I thought it was his. And he said, I wish it was, honestly, but he can't lay claim to it. We don't know who made it. But if you're out there, get in contact. I need to know who made that. That is fantastic, though. I love that. Um, some almost, people are just so quick with the puns. Almost as good as the joke itself. But yeah, yeah. nice day for a slight webbing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be singing that all evening now. Um, so we have like the great line now about the fan. You know, it does oscillate. Um, when they they come to the conclusion that they should perhaps share a bedroom this evening and because and, there's only the one fan. Um, they are so close. To, to clinching the deal here. It's well, unbelievable. The notes, I will read exactly what I've written for this patch Please of, do. of the uh, um, episode. Sorry, I put champagne, ice, fruit, Daphne, flirts, sex talk, we could share the same rude, and then it does oscillate. <laughs> An entire it. bag of Frosties. They're great. <laughs> it's just the way he stops. Where she says, we could share the same room. And he goes, I only have one fan. It does oscillate. <laughs> Woke up at 2am. Blissful confusion. But why? <laughs> That's all I was thinking about when you were reading that. <laughs> it's that and it always makes me think, oh, she has a Svensson. <laughs> Honestly, anytime I get a fan out, and we're getting into that season now, you know, it's summer. I'm probably going to have to get the fan out in a month's time or whatever, because it's it's been hot lately. Um when it's oscillating, this is all I think about. You know, I never stand in front of it, kind of fanning myself. But uh, you know, see, see you're, you you said you wanted to picture yourself as Niles in the future. Mm. I can see you're currently wearing a white shirt, so you're you're a bit of the way there. I've got the you wine, drinking some wine. You've got a fan that oscillates. <laughs> I know that you like falling asleep to the sound of rain. What is it like? Can you hear me over there in Mission Control? <laughs> Honestly, maybe maybe I'm closer to Niles than I think. I don't know. Maybe you I'm maybe to. Give myself some more credit. Um, so we uh, we go back to the the, the apartment now because um, Daphne has forgotten her pills and Niles needs to go back to get them. Um, probably my favourite line of the episode now, um, which is when they agree to sit down to talk and Niles is like, obviously these two wildcats can't come to terms. <laughs> and 
it's like just absolutely kills me and i'm just kind of waiting for i don't know some like charl and her sister to have an argument or something so i could just use that line in front of them they have no idea what i'm quoting of course but ah, oh, it's just it's just phenomenal one of the best lines in this episode i think it I is brilliant oh, i definitely so good. it's brilliant i did actually note actually that um niles always knocks when he goes to 1901 except today when he just walks straight in and tries to creep through to Daphne's room, which is odd because he doesn't go straight to her room either. He goes to the drawer near the kitchen. Mm. Well, is yeah, that not he's, he's, re- he's reaching for where the sherry is kept, isn't he? Which is now where she keeps her thyroid pills. Yet in Daphne's room, Frasier goes in and finds all of her pills on her bedside cabinet, which he actually then steals, obviously. But a um, bit odd that she then keeps those ones out there. It's just yeah, a, it, it's a weird one. I don't know why it needs to be there. I mean, so she doesn't forget to take them, or you know, I don't know. I keep my vitamins and supplements and whatever in the kitchen, but I, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird one. Um, we cut now to Fraser in his Patrick Bateman slash American Psycho mask. Uh, all, I, all, all I can hear is I use a gel pour cleanser lotion. Um, I, I can hear that monologue in my head. Um, he looks so funny, and like this has been the subject of many a meme. This kind of still. Of his face here. Um, I think, I, I, think I might even have memed this at some point, and I meme rarely, but there we go. The way he says, I think it's after the conversation, but the way he says, I want to slip back hippopotamus like into the <laughs> below <bar."> the bubbles. <laughs> which, which brings me actually to Martin walking and going, Bubbles? I was just about to say, it's bubbles. I mean, why does Martin find bubbles feminine? Oh. Would he have a bath with no bubble bath in? Well, isn't it the same in Friends when uh, Chandler? learns to have a bath monica makes it and joey is it joey that walks in or ross and they go bubbles bubble bath and he goes it's really good <laughs> joey, no, I th- I, honestly i think that's when joey comes in and i think he like passes wind no monica goes underneath doesn't that's she and, and lets out some air and then joey looks like this as if he's farted and he's like i've had a really hard day <laughs> well, it, it, it must be two episodes because that's when they've come back from london isn't it and by the way this is the uh we're listening podcast about friends meets friends <laughs> but yeah they're, they're kind of they're secretly dating aren't they and they're both in the bath together that's a different mm-hmm. episode and then there's the episode where chandler takes a bath yeah because and he she has to have the battleship yeah that's it because she pops up in the first one and goes i could do some chicken <laughs> i have some chicken <laughs> the and second I think, one yeah he's definitely i think it's called is it called the one it's, that chandler it's, takes it's a called bath. the one where chandler takes a bath yeah, and he has the boat, and then when they all get in the bathroom, which is a bit the same as this scene, he actually uses the boat to cover his part, I think. He does. Um, and like the whole thing is like, Monica introduces him to the crystals, and he's like, you know, they're starting to effervesce. Um, you know, which is, I guess, a bit like the the, the bubbles in, in this situation. Um, but yeah, that, the fact they all go in the bathroom as well, it's like yeah. identical to, to what's happening here. Um, it, yeah, but I, I do actually really like that episode of Friends. It's probably one of sure, my favorite. I'm going to have, of... have to look up if Matthew Perry directed that episode purely because if not, we have a tie for who's directed an episode of a sitcom from a bathtub. Oh my God. <laughs> Go and find. Be. I don't or think look... Matthew Perry's directed any Friends episodes, but I'm going to look at that. Would be up when so, so good. Um, so while Steve looks that up, um, of course, now Frazier's kind of explaining the, the situation to a packed bathroom now. I'm running out of patience, strength, and I'm running out of bubbles as well. I had a bath tonight, actually, uh, and we don't have any bubble bath, but I had to just chuck in a load of uh, soap and lotions that I can find to try and get some kind of uh, some kind of ba- bubble. But yeah, Steve, have you found the answer? Just a concoction. No, I'm still looking, but was it just a concoction? A bit of bleach, a bit of this, a bit it was of that? A, it was a proprietary blend. I couldn't possibly tell you about what I bought in my bath. Any, uh, mood for love? Stomp, stomp. <laughs> 
of course. Um, and the, the twist at the end of this episode of how Niles could have used his own prescription pad to negate the problem of coming to 1901 to presumably get his end away is what <laughs> would have happened if they'd stayed at the apartment. It's a phenomenal twist end, and you ne- you don't see this coming. And like you know, it's not really a show where you can have twists, so to speak. But this is this is good. I've got to admit, I find it weird that the Montana is in such a beautiful neighbourhood. By the way, I'll interrupt myself. For the director of the one where Chandler takes a bath is Ben Vice. Damn it! Um, so unfortunately, it's not Matthew Perry from it's the not bath. Matthew Perry. Um, it's worth looking. Hold on, I was going down a Freudian hallway there. Where where was I going with that? Um, you, I think you were about to say the fact that the Montana's such a nice building, but it's opposite yeah. an all-night pharmacy. Correct. Yeah. What the hell? I does not make a fat lot of sense, does it? Apparently, it's in a really posh neighbourhood where only the best people would want to be, and everyone's walked past and looked up at that building, and I wonder who lives there. You know, they have people and an all-night pharmacy right across the street. I don't even have a pharmacy across the street. I barely have one in the village. <laughs> and maybe maybe Fraser's kind of like, this is just a little bit of a throwaway comment, and it's actually a bit of a walk, you know, like, oh, I don't know, because I, I don't know. But yeah, it doesn't, it, doesn't make, it doesn't work, does it, if it is directly opposite? Also got to um, keep in mind where the Montana is in conjunction to where 1901 is, because in one episode, Niles does mention that it's, is it a short ferry ride across? That's when he's got Aunt Patrice. Um what? He got there very quick, and Daphne followed with him. <laughs> yeah, so I don't, I don't know. Um, I really don't know. I don't know if that's because he's took a ferry with away from Seattle with her, or like elsewhere to keep her busy. And he's thought, right, well, we're only a short ferry ride back to here, you know. As if to, I don't know, maybe that's, maybe that's that. But uh, Chuck some G speaking, but I couldn't do it. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't. George, oh, we'll no, look oh, you up. Yeah, um, <laughs> if that helps. <laughs> um, is this episode in your top ten, Steve? I um. Not that I'm a regular, but as I've co-hosted enough, I've now written a top ten. Oh! Okay, <laughs> don't, don't tell us, obviously, the full ten, but do tell us episodes that we have reviewed that appear on there. I shall tell you that in season one, I have one choice. My Coffee um, with Niles is in definitely, my Definitely, I was going to know that was the one. In season two, I have one choice. The Matchmaker is in Ooh. my top ten. But not The Innkeepers, interesting, interesting. <laughs> It was very tough. This mm. this was actually one of the hardest things I think I've ever done in my life. The matchmaker's phenomenal. Um, and also, for those listening, Steve kindly gifted an incredible video to Key and I, which involves the matchmaker. So if you're listening to this, look out for socials, because I will be posting it very soon, and I'm very excited to share that with everyone. Uh, season three, mm. you can go home again. Ooh, that's in your top ten. Curveball on that one, isn't it? Wow, that is a big curveball, but I like it. I like the because cur- I've got some curveballs on mine. Like the Impossible Dream was a yeah. big curveball, and uh, season four, you've already gone past it. The two Mrs. Cranes because it was the first mm. episode I ever saw. Um, nice. I'm very, very fond of it, and obviously, Doctor Crane, Clive's accent, Doctor Crane, um, that stole the show for me. But yeah, that's the or one, two, three, four so far. So unfortunately, Look, my answer is no. This is not in my top ten. Wow, it's not it's in mine more. either. But it's uh, it is a good episode. Um, can I just get a little teaser? Can you tell us what season the next episode of your top ten is in? Yeah, season five. Season five. Excellent. Excellent. Season five is the only season that I've picked two from. Ooh. Two episodes. I. 
need to get mine up. Um, I feel like I need to periodically stow a little bit of teasers to the listeners to keep them interested in the top 10 game because it's it's been a little while since we've had one. Um, well, actually, no, it hasn't. Ham Radio was two episodes ago, but uh, but other than that. Do you um, know what? I've had a few people that have messaged me and, and said they've listened to the podcast. What the hell am I thinking? Why was Ham Radio not in my top 10? Said, Look, it's like number 11 or 12. They can't all be in the top 10. Honestly, they can't all be 10s. Um, I absolutely adore Ham Radio, but... When you find out the others that are in my top ten as we go along, or I go along, or whatever we do, um, yeah, you'd be interested to know that Ham Radio is so close. But I believe I've picked ten episodes that are slightly higher, and I mean slightly. Ham Radio is so tough. I don't know if you know, there is actually a subgroup that John set up in Fraser Fan Club, which is called. Steve and Gil present Nightmare In. I think (laughs) I'm a member. I think I'm a member. A subgroup purely just to post crap about Ham Radio in. And John even said, how is Ham Radio not in your top 10? You've got your own group just for that one episode. (laughs) Absolutely absolutely annoyed with me that I hadn't put that in there. It's a good point. You know, I can't can't knock him too much there. Um, Who have you gone for actor pick for this week, Steve? Do you know what? Mm. I think he's got to be Niles mm. because of the delivery of his lines uh, like I say the iconic scene of him with the bird and, and that part with him and Daphne he's got to be that I don't is he actually in any scenes with Fraser in this there's no other, devotion, is there? other, other than the bath um... oh, of course yeah towards the end they all meet up yeah. um there's actually very little Ros in this as well, isn't there? Very little Ros, Literally, actually. Her and Bulldog, the fight. I mean, this again is when they're trying to get Dan Butler to be a regular cast member. So they've obviously chucked that bit in just so he's got something to do. Mm. Ros, they can't interact her. She can't be in the bath. She can't be in the apartment. She wouldn't be at the Montana. So we need a bit of a radio. I mean, there's one call, isn't there? And it's 30 seconds of KACL and then we're back out again. So, yeah, I'm going with Nars. That's a great pick, and I think Niles is probably my second pick. I have gone for Daphne um, for this episode. I just think she handles the Sherry conflict really well. I think she's great at, at the Montana. I'm not a huge fan of the kind of very obvious facial expressions when she suddenly realizes, oh, things are getting a little sexy here. You know, maybe maybe there's a touch of a bit of chemistry here. But before that, when she gets there, I don't know. There's just I think she's very endearing this episode. I, I agree that she'd be annoyed by Sherry kind of coming into her turf, as it were, and. You know, I just think she does a good job of uh, of acting. You know how I think Daphne would act in this in the scene. So, yep, Jane leaves. Daphne's my pick there. Going back to the episode, do you think Fraser diagnoses that quite well? I think he does, but also I think it's like obvious. You know what I mean? I don't. I, yeah. I feel like that's clearly what's going on. You know, Sherry's come in. Martin is suddenly neglecting the duties that he'd previously with Daphne. Sherry's giving Daphne unsolicited advice about dieting and relationships. Fraser just points that out to them all, and they're like, "Oh, you're so smart, Fraser." But so I'm I mean, guessing you'd agree that this is a two-game win streak for Fraser because that means he's helped people in two episodes running, which he is has bloody rare. <laughs> Bloody rare indeed. Honestly, they're just going to chuck this in. Like, let's have him absolutely on a streak here. Um, but yeah, it is rare. It's strange that normally he's the biggest muck up and he's the one who makes all the errors and all the mistakes. But as soon as Marsha Mason's in there as Sherry, there's conflict 
and Fraser's mm. actually the one that stops the conflict, where normally it's him almost causing it. Yeah, it's a funny one. Um, odd, but yeah, odd couple of episodes to put. Well, technically, well, do we count it as two, three? Not almost the... ninety minutes. Well, it's about sixty-six minutes, isn't it? It's three episodes, sixty-six minutes of uh, Fraser being on the good side of people and uh, not yeah. irritating the hell out of everyone as normal. Which is good for people like me who are Frasier purists and Frasier is our favourite character from the show. But like people that, a lot of people like to dunk on Frasier online. You know, just that mm. Niles is their one true love and they don't really like Frasier. But good to see him actually doing some good for once. It's actually um, good to see you liking Daphne for once, to be fair, mate. <laughs> I mean, I think that might be, my, might be my second pick for her. But like, yeah, it's I'm normally not loving her plots. So, uh, so there you go. Um, Kennedy Burling, Steve, what would he prefer? A bloody big biscuit for breakfast or a champagne in front of an oscillating fan? Champagne and oscillating fan every time. It's got to be. It's got to be. I think he could certainly eat his way through a few biscuits if he needed to. You know, he's a big man. He's got a big appetite, but that appetite extends to beyond food, if you know what I'm saying. So. He's got a bit of oomph in his walk away, I believe. <laughs> he certainly does. Um, all that remains is to play a quick game of whose crane is it anyway before we jump over to listener mail. Your phrase this week steve you'll notice for the last 20 30 weeks it's been one word it's a phrase this week so maybe a little bit easier who says <laughs> who says under the circumstances in this episode and i'm gonna uh i'm just gonna talk and mumble to the listeners why you think this over uh, under Al, the circumstances, Al Waterman's in the corner counting me out. Here. I'm going to go with Niles. Very close because it's in a scene involving Niles. It's Daphne about the fan, where she says, "Under the circumstances, you know, X, there's only one fan, and there's two of us. We could share a room, etc." <laughs> it does oscillate. Yeah, it does oscillate. So there you go. It's always a tough one. It's meant to be tough. Don't lose heart, Steve. Shall we jump over to listen now this week? Well, yeah, as long as it's not any questions, because I've been awful in Trivia Corner. <laughs> no questions, no questions, just uh, just friends. Raz, who's our next caller? Listener mail this week, lovely to hear from uh, a bunch of you. Um, as always, you know, keep the listener mail coming in. The The first person we're going to read out today, I think, is a is a new is a new first-time caller, um, though they don't draw attention to that in the comments, so forgive me if we have spoken to you before. Their username is Eddie in the Eames, which Steve and I were just marvelling about because Steve asked me a question on Ham Radio last week in Trivia Corner, which was, where is Eddie during the broadcasting of A Nightmare Inn? Well, of course, he's in the Eames. He's sitting on the Eames chair. And they put, uh, Ray, radio dramas. I think the spiritual successor would be fictional podcasts. Homecoming was a pretty successful one, which I listened to and which I think has gotten since a full TV adaptation. But there are a lot of fiction podcasts out there, and a friend of mine makes Radio Drama Revival, which showcases modern storytelling through podcasts. Very good point, and there's a few I've tried to get into over the years. Um, never really kind of clicked for me, but I'm very fickle with my podcasts and kind of come and go very quickly with them, get annoyed very quickly. I'd get annoyed listening to this podcast if I, you know, even if I didn't host it, like I just, I'm, I'm a fickle man, but uh, yeah, good stuff. Thank you, Eddie and the Eames. Next up, we have the infamous Mischief Knight. Mm. Ooh, Pam. Great job, boys. <laughs> Favourite Looney Tune? Or Looney Tune, as I can say it, sorry. Marvin the Martian. That's a great oh, choice. Classic choice. Uh, Ironically, I had to be in the dentist chair for a total of six hours to fix a hockey injury, two hours for root canals, and then four hours for the restorative work. 
but my awesome dentist clamped an iPad to the overhead light and let me watch whatever I wanted for that time. Nearly got through season two of Frasier. In retrospect, a terrible idea to be laughing in that situation. Oh, that's an absolutely incredible story. I can only imagine him saying, multiple murder. Um, the question was posed, can a revolver hold the 13 shots needed to kill everyone in the script we hear in Nightmare Inn? It's my opinion that by the time Niles went rogue, his adherence to authenticity wilted to the floor as he did his pages of the script. That being said, if Frazier knew his military history well enough, it could have been one of these. I knew Corey would have the answer. Oh, yeah, here we go. <laughs> one, Lamatt revolver. Nine-shot revolver with an underslung 20-gauge shotgun barrel, primarily used by the Confederacy in the US Civil War, though very few were made and survived to today. Number two... I'm going to butcher that, Will. What is that? Le Redoubtable? Le, le, I, mean, I would just say Le Redoubtable, but I mean, it's probably a French, you know, Redoubtable or something. Yes, I think you're closer with that. Um, Redoubtable. 20-shot revolver that was available from a Manu France catalogue from 1910 to 1914 when the catalogue stopped printing due to the First World War. Given these two guns with French origins and Fraser's love for all things French, maybe Fraser did know. <laughs> maybe he did. Clever man. Clever man. Review and fun bits for Daphne hates Sherry. As far as I can recall, the only time we hear about Daphne, her thyroid problem, and see that she's in real danger of fainting because of it. Very true. And Fraser claims to only care if blood has been spilled on the carpeted area, yet during kisses sweeter than wine, he gets quite upset when Niles' nosebleed plops onto the wooden part of his floor by the front powder room. He also points out baby sighting. Very... I love you, Grandma. <laughs> I love you, Grandma. Um, very, very true. You know, go to your perch, baby. Um, but yeah, I completely forgot about that. Kisses sweeter than wine. What happens in kisses sweeter than wine again? Because I seem to remember really liking that episode. Um... um... Oh, hang on, that's not... Is that the... A kiss is sweet in the one where Joe comes to fix the thing, isn't it? It's where we first meet Joe, and he, like, he yes. asks Daphne out at the end. Yeah. Um, Because I remember... Key and I liked that episode quite a lot. Um, I'd completely forgot about that. Um, Excellent. And also, just to, just to double back there, I only know the Lamat Revolver, because I used to play Red Dead Redemption a lot, and you can get the Lamat Revolver on Red Dead Redemption, and Corey will probably appreciate that, because I know he, he has... He plays some games. Will, um, have you... My meme of Red Dead Redemption, yeah, Red Dead Redemption. Then, it's oh my called, god, I have seen it. What was it? Yeah. My man now dead. Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> I did see that. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, KM Saxon writes, "Glad to have you back. I wanted to clarify something about children flying alone at age five. Adults can and do drop them off and pick them up at the gate, unlike other unticketed passengers who cannot go through security. So there's no worry about how they're getting to and from the airport." That is a good point, but it's more just the fact of like letting them get on a plane on their own that's terrifying to me. Like, I don't know, I'm sure they're supervised and like they keep an eye on them, but it's still crazy. But I mean, it's got to be done, I guess, you know, if you need to send a five-year-old across the country. It's Which better be than USPS, isn't it? Just chuck, <laughs> chuck them in the back of a van. <laughs> there you go. But thank you, KM Saxon. Uh, Miss Worcester 22, hi, Will, Key, and Steve. Oh, it's getting real when I start getting included. There we go. Uh, this episode was so worth the wait. I'm amazed to hear it wasn't in Steve's top 10. I'm mm, so sorry. Amy with the, uh, the shade there. He's pulled up in it again. <laughs> um, chuffed to hear it was in yours, Will, but we need to know, is it in Key's? Yes, Key, please uh, please let us know. I don't want to speak for Key, so I won't I won't say, um, but I'm sure he'll be chomping to tally when he's back. We definitely need him to fill in the blank there 
Uh, also, Will, when you were adding up your top 10, you missed out a Crane's Critique. You're getting so close to the limit. Very, very true. I did miss out a Crane's Critique. I'm um, very impressed that someone's been keeping notes on your top 10 as I well. I love that. Amy just gets this podcast, man. I love that. I love that. Um, Ham Radio is 100% in my top 10. Always has been. Me and my partner wrote a play together loosely based on a live radio drama, and it was performed by our amateur dramatics group. It was, it was impossible to not take some artistic liberty from this wonderful farce. I did notice you didn't quote my favourite two lines from the episode, though. Perhaps you could do your best Kelsey Grammer impressions for us all. Right, which one do you want? <laughs> uh, I'll take the second one. <laughs> okay, then I'll go with the ice cream truck. <laughs> <laughs> a gun! A gun is what he's got! <laughs> um, thanks again, guys. Super excited for three dates and a breakup. It only just misses out of my top ten. Wow. Mm. So nice to have you back. All the best. Amy, run for your life. Run for your life. The beast is loose. Thank you, Amy. Absolutely unbelievable. Um, Indecision Sketch says, Another brilliant episode, guys. I'm delighted to say that I finally caught up with all of the earlier episodes in the last three weeks, so I can now comment in real time. I'm very much a novice when it comes to Reddit and figuring out all the threads, so hopefully my comment isn't misplaced. On your conversation about listening to the radio stations of choice, I've always loved listening to the radio, and you can't go wrong with a bit of radio too. You like that, don't you, Steve? Very, very true. You can't Big go wrong. With I got a duck radio for my birthday about seven years ago. It's one of my prized possessions and how I started listening to radio more frequently. I remember listening to it a lot shortly after I first moved to uni and had a bit of a rocky start. It made the transition much easier and reduced my homesickness in those first few days. Being in my early 20s, I don't feel as though it's something that people my age really listen to, but I certainly find a lot of comfort in it lots of great music and friendly voices in my ear probably why i love podcasts too a teeny tiny downside of catching up with the pod is that i have to wait for the new eps but if the superb quality of the previous episodes is anything to go by then it will certainly be worth the wait thank you for your hard work on the podcast and well done to steve for being a fantastic guest host once again regards indecision sketch what a lovely comment Temporarily, Key's left some very big shoes for me to fill, so I'm trying my best. But yes, thank you. Uh, You're doing a very good job. And um, I also agree with everything that's said there about the radio. I think comforting is a word I would certainly use whenever I put the radio on, when I'm like not in the car, but I'm at home. It's definitely, even in the car, really, but I'm always listening to music in the car. It has a real comforting vibe, especially when it's talk radio, like Radio yeah. 4. Um, I definitely I agree. I mean, even with uh, Radio Two, and unless you've got Jeremy Vine literally keeping two people from killing each other on on the radio, oh god, there's a lot of good stuff that you can listen to. I mean, I, I love Ken Bruce in the morning, as we've said before, the Pop Master and Pop Quizzes and stuff like that. It's just it's a brilliant bit of fun. Oh, and it's the best. Radio Two's just not blaring in your face, is it? Radio One for me is just Radio it, One's music is appalling these days. It's just through current. I don't even understand the DJs. The terms they come up with, I've got absolutely no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> Radio Two, I, th I think I've now got into the generation that I actually understand what they're talking about and what what they're discussing. So, um... <laughs> oh, hold on, sorry. Oh, can... no problem, no problem. That is not phone me then at this no, time. Don't right. uh, sorry, um... good night. Seattle is next, isn't it? It is indeed. No need to apologise for the delays, chaps. We all appreciate the unpaid work that you're putting into the top of, on top of already busy lives. As always, a huge thank you to you, Will Key, and special guest Steve for continuing to put out such an entertaining podcast. Will, you mentioned something about a character from an old radio drama being satirised in a video game you enjoyed. Was it Silver Shadow in Fallout Four? 
It absolutely was. Um, and when I read this comment, I couldn't believe and couldn't remember whether or not I'd said that. And clearly I didn't, but that is exactly what I was thinking about. No, it was, uh, yeah, you did, you did mention it, but you didn't say what, uh, what There game. you go. And that's, it is one of the strong omissions, as Good Night Seattle says as well, definitely, because that game was pretty much a miss for me, but uh, that was a good quest. Uh, they end by saying, not sure if you're taking comments for Daphne Hate Sherry. We are. We're we here. certainly are. But I do have a soft spot for that one. The conflict comes pretty much out of nowhere, but it gives us a great Daphne and Niles episode and a very entertaining scene in the bathroom to bring it to a close. Again, Sherry is a good addition, and I will die on this hill. I think I'm with you on that hill. Good night, Seattle. But there we go. Last but not least, of course, it is Cam Winston, our boy Hamish from Down Under. He says, lads, our ham radio, a classic episode loved by all. It will never cease to amaze me, that one. I'm still and will always be keen to partake in a live script reading of this where we all play different characters from Nightmare Inn. I know we say this all the time. That will happen. We will do that at some point, I promise you. Some kind of novelty episode. It's got to happen. Um, Steve, you mentioned Roz's pointless storyline in the twin episode of Three Dates, and I have to agree. I didn't see the point of that either, and I wonder if it was just to keep her in the script. It possibly could have been shortened into one episode, as you say, but at the end of the day, entertainment was the winner on the day, and Perry Gilpin will always get my vote. She did, however, deserve a better storyline than what she got there. As for eating veal, I'm not sure if I've had it before. I don't think so, but I could be wrong. I mix and match my dishes from meat to vegetarian. I love falafel, but I don't think I would specifically ask for a veal dish at a restaurant as it doesn't overly appeal to me. Here in New Zealand, much like the UK, as you said, lamb is considered a high-end dish, as is venison. But to be honest, you don't see a whole lot of veal out there. Peace, lads, and as always, up the villa. There we go. Cracking to hear from so many of you this week from, from Listener Mail, so please keep them coming. Um, next week, we will be back with, wait for it, episode season four, episode 22, Are You Being Served? Um, so really looking forward to that. Any any final comments, Steve? Um, well, on this subject of Aston Villa, are they actually staying up? Oh, Villa Estate. Oh, that was never, ever in doubt, but we've just finished absolutely mediocre. Um, it's been an abysmal season, to be honest. I mean, could have been worse, but it's not been great. So no, we will I'm see. On it. Aston Villa. No, sorry, I don't have uh, I don't have anything else to say today. No, that's absolutely fine. Um, we will see what Stephen Gerrard, a full season and a transfer window brings us. But uh, other than that, I've been Will. And I've been Steve. And thank you very much for listening to We're Listening. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling, tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Oh, my. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegs. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. 